All right, welcome back to another episode of Royals Review Radio. I'm the host of this thing. My name is Alex Duvall, joined as always by Jeremy Greco. Jeremy, it is a little late out on the East Coast. Um, how are we hanging in there? Do you guys have like storms that are tearing up most of the earth out there? No, it was uh, 70 degrees and sunny today. And I specifically, okay, so for, sorry, we asked him that question, <laughs> Sunny, like as if actually, you know, what's funny about that. I was listening to Pete Sweeney on 610 talk about how it was real cold in LA right now. So I was like, ha, good. You know what? Good. I'm glad it's cold out there. <laughs> I'm glad you're enjoying the nice weather, Jeremy, because it's, we're getting crapped on out here. Well, I don't want to get crapped on, so I'll, I'll take it, I guess. Joined tonight by the host of the Royals Farm Report podcast, Joel Penfield. Uh, also joined tonight by Josh Kaiser, former host of the Clearing Waivers podcast. Uh, guys, I want to get into really quick, um, before we play our game, I want to get into the lockout really quick. Uh, Josh, we'll, we'll jump straight into a thought you had. Um, you know, there was, a, there was a flurry of moves right there at the beginning of free agency guys trying to get their deals in before the CBA expired. Um, yet there seems to be a lot of guys left. Chris Bryant remains unsigned. Anthony Rizzo remains unsigned. Carlos Correa, Clayton Kershaw, all still free agents. Um, the lockout so far has given us nothing substantial to talk about with baseball. But um, how are we getting through? I mean, I yeah, the, the fact that uh, there were so many moves right there at the, the beginning of the lockout – you feel kind of like the 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 kid that wasn't picked at dodgeball. You're like, what? Why can't I get anybody? Um, and then you look at it, who's still out there. There's plenty of big names, and there's still plenty of role players still out there. So, I mean, Jorge Soler still out there. Let's go. Let's get a reunion with Jorge, Jorge Soler. Um, but it's just like one of those things. Like, you know, you never go into this any offseason expecting the Royals to spend anything, especially on those big names that those mega contracts that have already kind of fallen. But it's uh, you know. It's, it's still probably not going to happen, but it's still kind of interesting and fun to hope for it. And the lockout has only uh, perpetuated that false narrative, that the false hope that I have that, that they're going to improve the roster and, and do something substantial. But uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll still have to see. One thing I was thinking about today, did Danny Duffy get his 10-year service time this I year? Say he, I want to say he did before he got traded. Yep, I'm pretty sure he did, right? Like maybe a month before he got traded. So the last guy who's really active or semi-active from that group is still Greg Holland. He still has not gotten his 10-year deal, and I fully expect to be back on this team next year. And I think it's more um, – I think I think that thought process is more, like, emblematic or, of like, I don't think the Royals are going to be doing anything big anymore. Like, I think if they were going to do anything, the Royals seem like the type of team who would have wanted to get it done before the CBA, guarantee them some certainty. I just don't I – don't, I don't know what moves would be left unless – like and by the way, like bigger moves unless the CBA does something that allows them to do something. So um, I think it's going to be Greg Holland, maybe a Danny Duffy reunion, nothing big, and then we'll be on with our lives. Um, and you still got Conforto out there. You got Castellanos out there. Johnny Cueto still out there. Which, by <laughs> the way, Michael Conforto is the exact type of free agent they should be looking to get. I agree. On a one-year prove-it deal. Um Try to maybe try to extend him or give him a, I don't know, see if you can get him cheap long, long term. Um, he's exactly the type of guy you plug into right field. And here you go. And a left handed bat, a little bit of thump, which we haven't had. You can't see in a long time. In a long time. When was the last time the Royals had like a left handed? I mean, was it when they traded? Moose. Moose is probably the one that comes to mind. I mean, has it really been three years, four years since the Royals had a legitimate left handed thumper? Yeah, <laughs> they have Ryan O'Hearn still. <laughs> okay, so we made it ten minutes in the recording before we got a Ryan O'Hearn dumping. I was, I was, I was. <laughs> so MLB Pipeline released their top 100 draft prospects for 2022 tonight. Um, I briefly want to hit on that before we get on to our game. Um, there are a lot of guys who, at the moment, I would love for Kansas City at number nine. Um, there are a lot of college bats. There are a lot of really good, talented, young arms. Um, there are five ways they could go, and I would be ecstatic. And there's another five ways they could go, and I would be really happy. Um, like, I, seriously, I don't, 
I don't think the Royals could have picked a better time to have picked second, fourth, and then seventh and ninth. Like they just kind of hit like this, this run where their placements, like if you can't pick first, like, like two years ago, like, or when they, when they drafted Bobby Witt, I guess in 2019, um, that would have been a bad time to pick fourth, seventh, ninth. Right. And they just happened to pick top two with Asa Lacey. There was a, a few guys you could have argued at number four there and they just happened to be number four. Right. So they've, they've, they've really lucked out um, on the timing of this. And I think it's, it's obviously been a huge part of their, of their rebuild, but I'm excited for that draft class. Um, MLB pipeline had drew Jones, number one, Termar Johnson, number two, Elijah green, three, three prep bats right there off the top. Right. I mean, if you're a rebuilding team in Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and whoever has a third pick, like they're going to go after those prep bats. That's great for Kansas City. And then oh, I said that Baltimore is probably going to go after the college kid. But anyway, there's going to be somebody really good available for Kansas City that's going to fit their timeline at number nine. Really excited about that. Does anybody have thoughts on the draft or? Well, one, uh, I just realized it's like how weird it is that Andrew Jones' son is going to be. is a draft eligible prospect and even at 25 that makes me feel old because i andrew jones was one of my favorite players growing up and i watched the prime of his career and then i'm like that's that's just just off the bat that's just a little odd just just wait till you're older than most of the guys playing now then then you'll know what it feels like to feel old I mean, just some names off the, the rip. Jacob Barry, who I didn't really know a ton about until Alex and I went to the College World Series. And you can see just the way he carried himself, the way he he went through at bats. It was like, oh, this kid's, this kid's going to hit. This kid's good. And then he ends up transferring to, to LSU when Arizona's coach went to LSU. And now he's going to go in the SEC. And if he kills it there, I mean, he he's going to go really early. I don't, I don't even know if he makes it to four, honestly. I think I think it can end up getting to that point. Jace Young is a dude in the Big Twelve that I love a lot. Um, obviously, I'm a fan of another Big Twelve school, uh, but he just he's such a fun at bat to watch. He, I mean, he's as good as his brother, if not probably even better already. Um, I think he, I don't, I think he was actually Big Twelve Player of the Year as a a COVID freshman, I guess. Uh, so he's he's really special. Uh, and then, Joel, what's Oklahoma State's third baseman's name? Uh, well, he it was Christian Encarnacion Strand, who's in the Twins organization. Now. No, the the guy the McLean or oh Nolan Nolan McLean. Nolan McLean. Yeah, he's he's going to be fun to watch this year on the mound and hitting. I think he he came in at like number forty seven on the list tonight. Let's see here. He was number forty six. Yeah, I didn't even realize he was on there. Yeah, two way guy for OSU. Uh, played some third, played some first, played some second. Uh, DH kind of got in pitching at the end of the season. Uh, out of the back end of the bullpen. I mean, it's 97 wipeout slider, and it's easy power. Uh, he, he went over the batter's eye at OSU multiple times in games, like 440-plus, um, hit some balls about 430-plus in fall ball. Uh, he'll, be, he'll be a really fun dude to watch, one of the best hitters in the Big 12. The dude that – I'm with you, Alex, on this one. Carter Young at 26 is way too low. I, 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 he I needs think to be he's 15. He I think he's one of the best so college bats in the draft. Like he's a guy like seriously, if he's there at number nine, I don't fully expect the Royals to draft him, but I would fully expect them to be thinking about it. Um, Absolutely. He is. He was okay. So I, I don't know if he's getting dinged for what he did at the back half of last year or, or what their deal is with him. But at the beginning of, yeah, beginning of last season, he was on fire. Clearly one of the best draft prospects in 2022 then he got hurt and he was really bad at the, down the stretch when we saw him in omaha he was clearly not right so i don't know if they're dinging him for being hurt but i mean he was he was fantastic to start the year one of the clearly one of the best players in college baseball so if he's there at number nine he he would be a great value pick for the royals i mean he doesn't have to play shortstop you can slide him all over the infield but he he could really really hit we saw him put one out against who did uh, Vanderbilt play that day it was Arizona because they Arizona. Were, we saw was, him put one out. Yeah, it was an impressive it swing. Was a really good swing. Yeah. And it was after he had he had like made an error and he rolled over on a couple of balls in his first couple at bats, and then he just found a way, just tattooed one. It's like, oh yeah, that's that's the talent that's there. And I remember when he when Oklahoma State played Vanderbilt in Stillwater, I went to two of the games and he hit a couple of balls out in that series too from the right side. And yeah, I mean it's it's a switch hitter and he's got power both from both sides. Yeah. 
All right, we're going to run our ad break a little early here. So we're going to run the ad break. We'll get into a little game of Royals re-family feud view thing uh, on the other side of this. All right, big thanks to the MLB for to MLB Major League Baseball for locking out the players. We've got uh, a whole lot of nothing to talk about. So we're going to play a little game of Royals re-family feud view thing. Um, we'll come up with working title, yeah, title <laughs> yeah, we're, work in progress on the title. So the, um, the first round of questions that, or the first round of topics, uh, was a poll that I took amongst some family, some friends and the Twitterverse. um, alternate Christmas dinner themes or meals, um, as again, as polled by the people. So Jeremy, because Max bailed on us and is no not able to join us, you are playing by yourself against Joel and Josh. So I'm going to let you decide first. Do you want to play Christmas alternate themed dinners or do you want to pass? And to be clear, like alternate like is like not turkey, not ham. And those are like the only two like. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the staples there? Or like chicken. Uh, no turkey, no ham, no chicken. Anything else is fair play. I, I'll play. Jeremy's going to play. Okay. Top seven answers are on the board, Jeremy. Go ahead and give me um, a guess as to what the people do for Christmas dinner that is not turkey, ham, or chicken. Okay. So uh, how about a roast? I'm going to give you a prime rib as a roast. Okay. Um, I'm not sure that's entirely fair, but I'm going to give it to you. So, yes, prime rib. I was rib thinking of it. it and trying to generalize it when I said it, so... Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's I'm going to give it to you. So Jeremy there gets um, that was number five. So that's going to be worth uh, three points. Ooh, um, three points to the score. So whatever number, whatever comes in at number one will be worth seven, and then six and on on the way down. Like I said, right. seven answers. Prime rib came in at number five. Jeremy, you are still playing. All right, uh, let's go with uh, Chinese food. Chinese and uh, we'll go with Asian cuisine in general because there was a Japanese steakhouse in there. So All I right. put Japanese and Chinese food uh, together came in at number six. So that is a two point <laughs> there, Jeremy. Pulling the hard you got, ones. You got number five and number six out of the way. Uh, you are still guessing. Top seven answers are on the board. Uh, let's go with. All right. So you said turkey, ham, chicken. Don't count. What about what about goose? I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and add that in with like a tradition. Okay, because I was like, that's like traditional, but it's not on your list. Yeah, so. We'll add that. We'll add that to the tradition. <laughs> when when in the hell was the last goose prepared for a Christmas dinner or, or period um, or period? Every every time so, someone watches Scrooge, uh, you know, or you think they, I don't they think don't, anyone I mean, is they, they always talk about how they're preparing the goose, right? He buys the giant goose. Sure. Christmas goose. Yeah. Sure, but that was like oh. 1874. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the then the Civil War happened and we all we all decided that you know this is no longer a thing. Okay. All so right. In any case, we're throwing goose out. All right. How about um Denny's? Uh no, nothing, nothing on a Denny's. That's strike one, big red X. Somebody just watched the Santa Claus. No, I was just thinking of it. Oh, it's I've seen it like so many times. I don't have to watch it. I, it's memorized. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always open. Exactly. How about spaghetti? We had Italian come in at number four on the list. We had anywhere anywhere from spaghetti to lasagna. I had all ravioli. I had all kinds of people throw out like Italian feasts. So that is a four-point answer. Top seven answers on the board. You still need number one, two, three, and seven. <laughs> My family always has spaghetti for Christmas Eve. So I wasn't one. sure if, if we were unique in that or not. Uh, let's see. Gosh. I'm trying to think of, like, what do people eat even? How about steak? Steak was not one of them. Steak oh, was wow. not on the list at all. I didn't have a single person say that they did like a steak dinner. Um, unless you want to include that with like a prime rib and then we've already gone there. So right. this strike two, still looking for the top three answers and number seven. Uh, how about uh, seafood? 
Seafood came in at number two on the list. So six point answer there. Number two was seafood. All right. How about pork chops? Ooh, no, no uh, pork chops. That is I was sure three. that one would be up there. That is strike three. And we're gonna <laughs> go over to Joel and Josh. Joel and Josh. Number answers number one, three, and seven are still on the board. If you can get one of them here, you will steal. So let's 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 hash this out. Hash this out. I got pizza, tacos, barbecue, <sighs> burgers, and soup. And I feel like at least seven of those five are going to be on the board here. Yeah. The math adds up, Duval. Don't don't even look at it. <laughs> He's a history teacher. He doesn't have to worry about it. Yep. Um Oh God! Anything, anything I, shouting out to you there? We do pizza oh, personally, but I feel like tacos is also pretty common, yeah. and we're in a city of barbecue. So, yeah, I'm I'm good with either of those. Like I, I definitely would have thought like I thought seafood would have taken number one, so that at least takes things out a little bit. But I can't think of what the number one answer would be. So I'm I'm good with any one of those dealer's choice. You can. I think. I think pizza's got to be the most likely one on there. So let's let's hit pizza. Final answer. Pizza came in at number seven on the list. So one point answer for Joel and Josh. That means you guys walked out of round one with sixteen points. Uh, number one was Mexican food. There was all okay. everybody like there was it was a runaway number one. Taco bar, burritos. Um, my family, I was, I was, I, the genesis of this, the whole question was I've got an uncle from Panama and he would always bring these t- the homemade tamales. Oh, oh my God. They were so good. Oh, um, I had all kinds of, of Mexican food answers. And then number three was soup and chili, uh, uh-huh. between, between everybody bringing a different soup or a different type of chili or whatever. Chili was number three. So of the people I polled, which I probably got 20 responses on Twitter and then asked, I don't know, 50 high school kids, 10 friends, and some family members. Uh, Mexican, number one. Seafood, number two. Soup and chili, number three. Italian, number four. A prime rib, roast, steak, pork chops. Throw that in there at number five. Any kind of Asian cuisine, number six. And then pizza at number seven. So at the end of round one, Joel. I want to file an official protest that pizza is an Italian food. (laughs) Well, spaghetti is technically made in China. Yeah. It was created on the Silk Road in China. So uh, definitely not Italian. You can throw your challenge flag and uh, you can do something yeah. certain with it. The call will stand on this one. There's not enough evidence yep. to overturn. I like that explanation a lot. I don't know that I, I don't consider pizza to be Italian. Like what we eat here in America is not Italian. Pizza may be Italian. Uh, I mean, you're going to say that about any of those things. Ah, mm, not really. No, I. Mm. Yeah, that's a good. That's probably a good point, and I probably overlooked that one. But no, we're not. No, nope. I mean, I am. I'm. I'm not really serious about it. But you would have gotten the other everything. Everything like, that they. Uh, everything that we have here is very different from how it actually is in those countries. <laughs> oh, I've I had you're... Italian pizza. You're right. It's super different. So is the pasta. Mm. And, and I've heard about the the real Mexican versus the American Tex Mexican. So anyway, so let's jump to the fourth game that I had, the fourth list I have here. Uh, so round two, Josh and Joel, do you want to pass or play? Can we have the category? It is a royal random royal statistic. Oh boy, that seems really random. Let's play. All right, let's do it. I'm in. Yolo. All time leaders in Royals history in sacrifice flies. Oh no! Oh, my top, God. top eight answers are on the board. Josh and Joel, you are up. Oh no! Who wants to go first? Oh. Points are doubled in this round, so <laughs> round points are doubled. I'm gonna throw one name out. Just it was the first name that came to mind for some odd reason. David DeJesus. Oh, that's interesting. Strike one. David DeJesus ah. not on the list. I mean, we have to go with George Brett. George Brett is number one. That is an eight-point answer, which in roundabout way would be worth 16 points. Uh, but George Brett, runaway number one. The only royal player in history with over 100 sacrifice flies at 120. Huh. Interesting. 
on there. Whatever. All right, you guys. Top eight answers are on the board. You got number one. Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez not on the list. Strike wow. two. It's hard to think. Salvador Perez. Perez don't have many dudes in their history that hit the ball in the air consistently. This is weak. I know. <laughs> and I'm just – I whiff. I mean, I didn't think Salvador would be that much of a whiff. Oh, boy. Too many balls on the fence. I mean, let's just go back in the day day and say uh, old Hal McRae. Hal McRae, number three on the list. That is a six-point answer. Uh, yeah, Hal McRae, number three, with 79 sack flies in his Royals career. Two strikes, six answers, still on the board. I just want I want I want Joel to miss this because I, I just I'm out of names. I want him to be responsible <laughs> for sending us out here. You can't think of an, another Royals player with longevity in the organization. This is a Royals podcast. Like I know we're doing Christmas crap. <laughs> That's what we do. Um, can't wait for you to miss this because I've got a guaranteed winner. I don't know. Willie Wilson. Willie Wilson not on the list. Strike three. Only got two of them. Jeremy, Top two. six There's... names. You know, you got one and three. You can get one. two. Uh, oh, Jeremy, there are just... six guys still on this list. Where, where do you want to take your swing? Alex Gordon. Alex Gordon, number seven on the list. Ooh. 43 career sack flies. That's going to swing Jeremy. That is a <laughs> 32-point steal. Which gives Jeremy the lead 32 to 16 after two rounds. <laughs> Sween Dog's got to be on there, yeah. I went, I was like, oh my God, Mike's here's your top eight. George Brett, number one, Amos Otis, number two, uh-huh. Al McRae, number three, Frank White, number four, oh. Mike Sweeney at number five, uh, Joe Randa, number six, Alex Gordon, seven, Bill Butler, number eight. I mean, that all makes yeah, perfect sense. I would have missed. I think I'll I make out the rest of them. Randa would have been, bro- yeah. Randa's tough. Yeah, Randa would have been the one I would have had no idea if it got. To no, that. actually, I completely blanked on Brett because I was just like, well, he obviously <laughs> got hits to drive in all his runs. He wouldn't do sacrifice flies, but that was a good call. Yeah. Let's. Uh, we got another Christmas theme and another Royal statistic. I want to save the Christmas one for last because there's a very very good conversation to be had about that. So okay, let's go to the next Royals random statistic. Before I tell you what it is, Jeremy, do you want to pass or play? Oh, I'll play. You'll play. This is the most – It's so we're talking about pitchers. The, mo, the pitchers, the eight pitchers who have hit the most batters in Royals history. Oh, boy. All right. Top eight answers are on the board. We'll, we'll keep points doubled this round. Let's go uh, Kevin Apier. Kevin Apier comes in at number six on the list. Uh, he is actually tied for six um, with 39 hit batsmen in his Royals career. Seven answers still on the board. Hmm. Let's go with. Oh, gosh. Uh, Saberhagen. <laughs> Brett Saberhagen is not on the list. Strike that's me. cool. That's crazy town. I knew he was good, but I mean, he's been there for a while, so that's that's very they're very surprising. Yeah, I, I figure this list is just guys who've pitched for a long time for the Royals. Oh gosh, um, and I the, all the guys who pitched a long time for the Royals were before I started watching. So this is, and they're not for whatever reason. I know all the hitters from back in the day, and I don't remember the pitchers' names. Let's see. Um, Dennis Leonard. Dennis Leonard, number two on this list. 52 hit batsmen in his Royals career. Six answers still on the board. Charlie Liebrandt. Charlie Liebrandt is not on the list. That's strike two, Jeremy. Six answers on the board, one strike to play with. It's a fun name you pulled, though. (sighs) 
gosh. I am drawing an awful blank. Three of the names on this list are hilarious for different reasons. They How about do. Larry Gura? Larry Gura, absolutely number well five done. on the list. I that see, is that is well done. I would not have thought that you uh, were uh, uh, yeah. 40 hit batsmen in Larry Gura's Royals career. How about Gooby? Gooby, number one. Absolutely. Ah, 58 batsmen in his Royals, a Royals record uh, for Gooby, number one. So you're still looking for the guy, two guys that tied in third, a guy that was tied with eight for sixth, and the guy who got eighth. One strike to play with. <sighs> I know that there's at least one obvious pitcher that I am Before, blanking. I'll give you a hint since you're playing by yourself. All right. Four that you're looking for have all appeared in a Royals uniform since 2009. Okay. Danny Duffy. Danny Duffy tied for third place with 45 career hit batsmen. Three left, one strike to play with. It should be easy now that I know it's since 2009, but I'm still drawing a blank on who the heck threw enough innings to bean guys. Oh. You say all of them have been pitching since 2009? In a Royals uniform, they have appeared in a Royals uniform since 2009. A lot of bad pitchers since then. A lot of bad pitchers. The, the three names left on the list are hilarious mm. for different reasons. I'm just going to go off the wall. How about Soria? Walking Soria, not on the list. Strike three, Josh and Joel. There are a ton of points on the board to steal. You got, th- you got one guess to grab one of three names. You got anybody in mind there, Joel? I got a th- I got a couple. So everyone left has been 2009 or, or to present. They have appeared in a Royals yeah. uniform. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Guthrie came to mind. Yep. Guts on the list. I um, see. I would say Grinky, but oh, nine was a Cy Young year. So I don't, I don't think he would have enough. And he only pitched not with, and I think he pitched in 2010 and then he got traded. So he would, I don't think he would have enough there. Well, he still would have been what five seasons with the Royals? Four yeah, seasons, four or five. So two thousand nine, right? He could he could definitely yeah. still be on the list. Aaron Crow, but he was a reliever. I don't know if he would have. Yeah, he probably didn't rack up enough. I've got Jordano on this because it seemed like either every every hit batter he hit was a big a big friggin' deal. So maybe they just seemed like there was more <laughs> than there was. Uh, I also got Hoach because he spent a while as a starter. Same with Wade Davis, yeah. um, Vargi, and Ian Kennedy, both as uh, free agents that were here for four did, years did, apiece. Did people that Jason Vargas hit really count because the dude threw like eight. <laughs> it's kind of yes. like, like Bruce Chen. Like they were, they were pumping 85. I don't even know if that counts. <laughs> <laughs> They're not weighted at 85 and see if it counts. <laughs> weighted hit by a pitch. So that's my list. I think I think any of those are pretty solid. Uh, we both had guts, so I think he's, he was around for a while. He was a little wild there for a little. He tended to blow up a bit, so that seemed like a good way to go for me. I'm okay with that. We'll go. We'll go. Jay guts. Final answer. The real Jay Girl Scout not on the list. Oh, yes. The ones you were missing: Luke Hochaver, Zach Granke, and Jacob Junis. Oh, my. <laughs> so, to go through the list, number one, Mark Gubiza with 58 hit batsmen, Dennis Leonard, 52, Danny Duffy and Luke Hochaver, both with 45, Larry Gura, 40, Kevin Apier and Zach Granke, 39, Jake Junis rounds it out with 37. So, Jeremy, that was 48. Hochaver <laughs> and Duffy are tied. Hochaver and Duffy are tied. That is crazy town. So the score right now is Joel and Josh have 16. Jeremy has 88. 75,000. The the final, the final (laughs) round here, round four, 
is going to be triple points because it is one of my favorite categories. Like if you just all categories for everything ever, this might be my favorite debate of all time of any category okay. of any ranking ever. And this is a Christmas category. Yep. Josh and Joel. Right. Debate people's favorite Christmas movies. Oh, oh bring it. Give me, give me Christmas movies, Joel. Oh boy, here we so, go. So this was tough because I had 13 <laughs> movies with more than three votes. Oh my. Triple so the points. I stopped the voting at 15 or 12. So the top seven answers are on the board. This was a very, very popular poll. Top seven answers on the board, Josh and Joel for triple points. People's again. This isn't your list. This is, this is the movies that people sent in most often. You're on the board. Top seven answers. Am I leading off this time, Joel? No. Okay. So I'm going to start out with this, the, the one answer that I used to hate with a passion because people thought they got so cute when they called Die Hard a Christmas movie and it became controversial. And it's still probably a thing. So Die Hard is going to be on this stupid list. Die Hard came in at number two. Of Die course it a, did. And Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And it's you 100% a Christmas otherwise. movie. I'm not here Almost to debate it anymore. My All the air that I have to give to that argument has been spent. I'm not here to argue with anybody. <laughs> Every single person who said Die Hard was their favorite Christmas movie replied to the poll on Twitter. I did not have a single, <laughs> a single family member or a single friend say that their favorite Christmas movie was Die Hard. It's almost like when I put the poll out there on Twitter, it was like the pe- the Die Hard is a Christmas movie people come out uh-huh. of the woodwork to defend. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, man. Every single one of them came from. It's their it's their time to shine. Like it, they, they still think it's cute. They still think it's creative. It's not, but it's still out there. So, uh, yeah, it's totally on the nose for those Die Hard folks. Yeah, number two on the list was Die Hard. There are six left, Josh and Joel. You have three strikes to play with. I'll go A Christmas Story. It's just like an OG movie. What? Oh, no. Because nobody oh, likes wow. it. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because that would have been my pick. That's oh, stinky number, cheese. It was number 12 of 13 on my list. Okay. It was way wrong. Wow. That one's honestly like the upset of the century. I thought, yes, for sure, and I, I hate knew, that, like, but I was sure it was on the list. Their favorite, but just like from a nostalgia perspective, I thought mm. for sure that was going to end up in the top seven. Yep. Was, there yeah. were two movies that I was shocked received almost no votes. One was a Christmas story. We'll talk about the other one when we get to it. I was shocked. <laughs> I was shocked. Strike one, uh, Josh and Joel, you got six left on the board. I'm, the number one on the list is going to be Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation number one. Absolutely. Runaway, was, by the way. Struggling to remember that name. I was As like, it the Chevy Chase movie. <laughs> that one's my favorite by far. Yes. Great movie. I had 74, 74 people respond, and something like 43 of them said Christmas Vacation was their favorite. Oh, Runaway. Wow. Runaway number one. Not even close. Christmas vacation right. number one. Five um, on the board. Home Alone? Home Alone came in at number seven. Home Alone. Ooh, that's not very high. Good call. That was that was the last one. So like Home Alone, yeah. and then I won't mention the name, but the one right below it, it was close. And I didn't know if to, to add it. So I included <laughs> Home Alone. Um, and I actually included Home Alone and Home Alone 2 to get it there. Mm. So I had to I had to finagle oh. a little bit. Um, oh, so Home Alone Two is is not treated as a separate entity. No, so I will get. I will tell you that now. Home Alone, Home okay. Alone Two together got it to number seven uh, on the list. Four Christmas left franchise. on the board. You guys have two strikes to play with. Christmas cinematic universe. Okay, um, I'm gonna leave. There's one more ob- super obvious choice, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of save it till we're till we're dying. Um, I think the other one that kind of goes and starts t- tugging at heartstrings. Love actually. That was number eight. Oh. Okay, that's fine. So I'll I'll let Joel remember the very obvious one. I didn't know. I didn't know where to go with that. It was that one had I think it had nine votes, and Home Alone had twelve, and that was like the biggest gap between two movies. Yeah, and I was like, I think I cut it off at ten. I was like, you know what? This seems like a good place to cut it off. Love actually came in at number eight, just missed. Boys, you got two strikes. 
four on the board, you're going to have to get number – you're going to have to get, I think, at least number three in order to catch him because you got 14 times three is – Okay. I, I've got two that have to be on this list that yeah, I regret not saying one, one of yeah, them. I'm... One more strike. I'm gonna go with this one. Elf. Number five. Good one. Elf came in. That's only number five. That was that was my Alex Gordon for this round that I was just holding on. I was like, I know I can bring that one in. Elf at number five. So right now you have one, two, five, and seven. We need three, four, and six. And I'm pretty sure you still, because right now you've got 14, 17 times three. Yeah, you have to get at least one more to beat Jeremy depending on which one it is. So I think the last obvious one I have is, was previously mentioned, the Santa Claus. What is happening? This oh is... Oh, my goodness. We're oh in America, goodness. right? This is America? This is America, and this is not just a bunch of contrarian people on Twitter that are just like, people are going to say the Santa Claus, but I want gremlins. Santa Claus came in at number 10. Wasn't even particularly close. So I will tell you this. I so you guys got whooped there. Jeremy, you want to take in a guess at three, four, or six? Yeah, let me take. Uh, I, I'm going to give you the answer that's going to steal, and then let me take a shot at the other two, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So the one that's going to steal is "It's a Wonderful Life." That was the other one that I was shocked yeah. wasn't had. Almost oh no, I didn't steal. Yeah, we made it a ball game. <laughs> Uh, okay. Jingle all the guys, way is uh, that on there? Jingle all the way should be on there because it's ridiculous. Not on there. I love jingle, jingle all the way. Jingle all the way. How about the holiday? Nope. Miracle on 34th Street. Nope. Ernest saves Christmas. Nope. I got no idea anymore. Is Rudolph counted as a movie? Oh, Rudolph, yeah. It was. It was number eleven. Snowman. How about Donner? Is that the other one? What's the other Rouge. one about the other rain? Oh, that's a good one. I'm really bad at this. I watch like the same three Christmas movies. Like I'm not. I don't. I don't watch all. Of them. Like I watch The Grinch, Elf, Home Alone, and Grinch was number six. That was the which one, one though. I combined all of the Grinches. Okay. So any any Grinch movie that people threw out, I combined to get to number six. So here I'll I'll read you the list of what I got because I'm just gonna start with this one. I didn't. We're still missing four. three, or was that Rudolph? Two. So you're missing three and four. So number four, I didn't know people considered this a Christmas movie. I had no idea. I had a ton of people say Lethal Weapon. Yep. It's also at Christmas. I almost threw it out because I didn't. I don't think that's a Christmas movie. I I do think Die Hard's a Christmas movie. I don't think Lethal Weapon is, but it is set at Christmas. If Lethal Weapon would have come in at six or seven, I would have thrown it out and said, no, we're not doing that. But it was number four. It was the number four. And by the way, I didn't have people like rank these and then like get like, you know, like a like a vote that way. This was just your favorite. And there were, again, I think with the diehard people, people came out of the woodwork because they wanted to defend Lethal Weapon as a Christmas movie. So here, let me read you the list real quick because number three surprised me too. Number one, so much. I hate it so much. Runaway Christmas Vacation. Number two, pretty clear. Number two, Die Hard. Number three, and number three had five or six more votes than Lethal Weapon, was some combination of A Christmas Carol and Scrooge. I've I mean, never that, that makes sense. I thought I, I heard from so many people that Scrooge was a bad movie that I just never bothered watching it. Oh no, it's great. I mean, it's Bill Murray. If I don't you even, like Bill Murray, you'll like Scrooge. I got to be honest with you. I do not like Christmas movies, but Scrooge is great. I used to be scared of it. Oh, it's terrifying if it's you're super kid. scary at the end. <laughs> that Ghost of Christmas Future is a real, even the Ghost real of wild Christmas card. Present was scary to me. True. Yep. Number four, Lethal Weapon, five, Elf, six, Grinch, seven, the Home Alone series. Number eight was The World is Not Enough. I've never, or no, I'm sorry. What did I say eight was? Because that's Love Actually. Love Actually. Number nine, The World is Not Enough. Um, number the 11. James Bond movie? I don't know. That's what somebody said. That's what a few people said. I'm going to fight somebody before the night is over. I can't remember if I said, because now, now I've got the ones I didn't rank. Somewhere between 10 and 13 was like the Santa Claus, Frosty the Snowman. Um, Rudolph. The World is Not Enough is a James Bond, Pierce Brosnan movie. What are we doing here, folks? 
<laughs> what are we doing here? So there you go. Jeremy won by 21 points all by himself. This is this is a whole lot of suspect. Can we have a debate about what makes a Christmas movie a Christmas movie? Oh no. There was a good one in my there was a good one in my mentions on Royals Farm Report. There's a really good argument about how Home Alone, you know, is if you really want to say that Die Hard's not a Christmas movie, you can make a similar argument for Home Alone. And I didn't spend, you know, too much time reading it, but I was like, you know what? Like I did old Johnny McLean use any kind of Christmas ornaments to thwart his enemies? I can't remember. No. Is the only thing Christmassy about it is that he the setting came the home. Time. Well, there was a Christmas party. Yeah, I mean, they, he wouldn't have been there if there wasn't a Christmas party. So, I'm trying to look. Let me let me. Find the world it. is not enough people, and the lethal weapon people are just trying really hard. All I'm They're saying is really that Die Hard. Die Hard gives you like uh, you know a romance between John and uh, Holly. They get back together. Like that's very Christmas. Like, don't, don't you remember, like, how many movies are there where the kids are like, oh, I wish my parents would get back together for Christmas. Their parents got back together for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that, a, that was a movie growing up was all I want for Christmas. It was like a get your parents back together joint. And, and he also says, uh, he writes ho, ho, ho on somebody's corpse. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. So here's this argument going on in the mentions about, about Home Alone and Die Hard. So. This guy's defending Die Hard, and he says it literally takes place on Christmas Eve at a work Christmas party, and the soundtrack is filled with Christmas music. Also, there's a Santa Claus. The reply. The plot would be the same if it took place on New Year's, Thanksgiving, or Christmas. Christmas movies are happy and enlightening. Die Hard is an action movie, not a Christmas movie. And this person replies, so Home Alone, then, isn't a Christmas movie. That plot could take place literally at any point in time throughout the year. It could be a summer vacation movie. He says, also... Plenty of other Christmas movies aren't happy movies. It's a wonderful life. The Gremlins, Bad Santa, hilarious movie, by the way. Bad Santa Santa, is underrated. Bad Santa Santa and Jack Frost are like similarly. Jack Frost. (laughs) (laughs) And then The Crumpus. And I was like, okay, I'm listening. Oh, I haven't seen that. So last night I was watching Fred Claus and I was like, Fred Claus could literally be about anything. Fred's brother could be literally anyone. He could be like the president and the movie is exactly the same. Fred mm-hmm. goes out to Washington, D.C. He lives in the White House. He hangs out with the president, his brother. Like, that movie doesn't need Christmas anything to do with anything. And I was like, "There's I, what is a Christmas movie then? Like, well, how do we define this? Well, you got to have the Christmas elements. You got to have the soundtrack. You got to have the interaction with Christmas time and the spreading of cheer. Um, or just, you know, tugging on those heartstrings with spending time with family. And then whatever action or antics that come along with it. I mean, Jingle All the Way is an action movie, obviously. And it's very Christmassy. I have a big problem with the Santa Claus getting knocked out by Lethal Weapon and the world is not enough. <laughs> that is not that is not okay. I put out a poll. It was where does it was something like Santa Claus is a top blank movie of all Christmas movie of all time. Top three, top five, top ten, or not top ten. And not top 10 had like 39% of the vote. What? People are crazy. Again, I don't like Christmas movies, but Santa, the Santa Claus, now the sequels are, they're off the rails. (laughs) The Santa Claus. (laughs) They're a fever dream. Is legit. Yes. One of my favorites, but like, I understand that like, it's a good kid's Christmas movie. Like I get it, but it's not one I go out of my way to watch every year at all. Like the three that I go out of my way to watch for sure are Home Alone, Elf, and Christmas Vacation. Yep. And then like the and then the Jim Carrey Grinch, the cartoon Grinch, kind of fall into like three, like four A, four B. Like I have, like I watch those at least once, but I'm not, I don't go out of my way to do it. Have you guys ever seen the history of It's a Wonderful Life? No. So that movie's made uh, in the during the Cold War or like that time period in American history. And there were a lot of people who thought it was like a communist, whatever, because <laughs> anti bank or whatever. And so there were a lot of people who were really anti It's a Wonderful Life when it came out. Anyway, it was a really, it was clearly, it was like really like critically acclaimed, but it wasn't like super popular. Anyway, somehow, some way, the creator of the movie didn't file the copyright for it. And so 
other networks took it and ran it on their on their network without having to use the copyright as a public domain movie during like yep on public um during like holiday specials as a christmas movie because it snows they sing um old lang syne at the end yeah and there's like an angel right and that's like literally i went back and rewatched it the first time i read that i was like oh man like they never mentioned that it's christmas in this movie another fun fact about it's a wonderful life top five movie of all time (laughs) it's so good i i don't like it personally but uh i did star in uh, not i was a co-star in the world premiere of the stage play version called miracle at bedford falls i think you told us this on a like last year maybe maybe is there youtube of this no <laughs> come on there's youtube of everything no, they've they've got it on vhs at my uh at my college that i what, went to what college is this uh mars hill university now mars hill go, university go, go pester them for that if you want <clears throat> will do i'm i'm 100 looking that up i played one of the the angels not clarence the angel who tells clarence what to do and they made wow. that role a lot bigger in the stage play. Like I followed him around and was telling him what to do for a lot longer than <laughs> the movie. <laughs> I read one time you can actually visit Bedford Falls. Like it's like a real place. Isn't it a city in New York? I guess. I don't know. Never been. I have no dog I, in this I fight. That. It is a great movie. And especially like the time period that it was made in, like the the types of movies that were coming out, like it was kind of the way I understand, I'm not a big movie critic. The the way I understand it was like almost like um, kind of a renewed or like like a very forward movie at the time. Like the in terms of the, the film. Well, I mean, it was yeah. it was advocating for communism, so you know, uh. <laughs> way ahead of its time. <laughs> if it if we're still if it's still in the Christmas rotation nowadays, when it was made in, well, I'm guessing like 1930s. Yeah, probably not that far ago, but a while. If it's still in rotation, then it's. Uh, yeah, it's it's probably got some got some steam behind it. Never seen it personally. Oh, dude, that so that or Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street is always a classic like, one. I've never seen like, that either. Like Alex said, it was in public domain for a while, so they just played it nonstop hmm. until it became like a Christmas classic tradition. So it's it's living. It, it, the only reason anybody watches it anymore is just because it was played for free for so long. I that's my Christmas Eve movie. So nineteen forty six. Whatever the um, you know the Christmas Eve tradition is that we're whichever side of my family we're on, um, that's my Christmas Eve movie. Get back, get get everything like settled down, out of the shower, getting ready to get in bed. That's my Christmas Eve movie. It's it's legitimately one of the better movies I've ever seen. It's really 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 good. Home Alone is my Christmas Eve movie, and then Christmas Day, my family we watch Christmas Vacation. And we drink whatever we have that evening, whether it be a cocktail or just whatever out of Marty Moose mugs, because that's mm, those are expensive. That, yeah, my, my mom found a set of them like three or four years ago, and that became our thing as we sit around yeah. and watch. We put whatever we're drinking that night in Marty Moose mugs and watch Christmas Vacation because that is just a spectacular movie. And the rant that Chevy Chase has in that movie is one of my favorite, like all time movie moments. It's so. And no matter how many times I see it, that's one of those movies that always makes me laugh. I've watched, there are movies that I go and like once or twice a year, I have to watch it. And I've seen it so many times, like, you know, I'll chuckle along. That's one that always makes me like belly laugh, no matter how many mm-hmm. times I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Our, our Christmas day movie. So my mom, every, every Christmas day, <clears throat> whenever we're with that side of the family, like I said, um, like this year would be my in-laws, but whatever. So I'm, my mom make coffee cake. We wake up, kids open presents, whatever eat coffee cake for breakfast and then we watch christmas story but like that's also like typically you're like in like a like this weird like food coma slash got up way too early <laughs> yep and it's like i don't want to like you know maybe maybe you're in a coma from what happened the night before too like I, whatever <laughs> you're uh, in a daze but it's regardless like, a christmas story on take a take a day's nap um before you the, say uh, when they get that in the 24-hour rotation was on tbs or whatever you come in like maybe an hour left and you're like, well, I haven't watched the first hour and a half. So I might as well just do that. So that's when usually the nap kicks in. It's like you're signing up for that first half after you watch the second half. Yeah. That's usually when the nap kicks in. I'd suggest 
if you're going to throw some some things in some mug and watch things as a group jingle all the way is the most ridiculous sideways movie but it is fantastic as long as you're in on the joke because if you just enjoy that for being a terrible movie i love it it is one of my every christmas i have to watch it alone because my wife hates it so i usually (laughs) pour myself a couple fingers of whiskey and listen to arnold schwarzenegger try to try to uh say the eight reindeers names (laughs) i've never seen jingle all the way another christmas movie i've never seen for whatever reason I've never seen Four Christmases, and I've heard Four Christmases yeah. with Vince Vaughn is also really good. Yep, I've heard the same. A lot of cameos. So if we had a preference between Jim Carrey Grinch and just the original half-hour Grinch, which one do we go? We're about to divide a whole lot of people here. This is a polarizing thing. I'm Jim going Carrey. Jim Carrey. Yeah. Oh, my. Yes, I personally go the cartoon one just because that was the one I grew up. Like, that was... Now both are good, and I'm not trying to like try and divide it that way. Oh I no! For the cartoon, one. I I always liked Jim Carrey, and I thought it was a hot take because everybody I mean, has said that. Take. No, everybody put me up against the wall. Doesn't mean you're not making a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> but we're like four for four here. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like, I think I, the, the Jim Carrey one is spectacular, and I will take nothing away from it. But if I had to pick between the two, there's just something about the cartoon one that doesn't. And also, it's Christmas, Charlie Brown. Like yep. that's also what, yeah. That the fact that that was that's a glaring omission, and I just realized that ten seconds ago. Yes, yeah. Charlie Brown Christmas. Those those movies are so underappreciated. Like that is one thing. Like so, before Thanksgiving, um, in my class, kids are studying. Typically, like we we take our last unit test. We take a unit test that way the kids don't have to come back from Thanksgiving break with you know and try whatever. So. While they're while we're reviewing for the test, we watch Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, and then while we're review, while we're, we are reviewing for the final, I'll put Charlie Brown Christmas on the board, and kids are reviewing. I'm you know we're 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 going back through stuff from like August, like trying to, re- but it's on the board. Like I make my kids watch it. Like it's it's gonna be there. You will watch it because it is so underappreciated. Like the scene where Charlie Brown walks in and they're all playing. They cut down the tree and they're playing the music. Um, you know, on the stage or whatever, the most second or third most classic Christmas scene in any movie ever. Number one has to be Linus goes into like the the soliloquy about what Christmas is all about. Yes. It's the number one, I think, is from Fred Claus, where Vince Vaughn has the elves dancing to rubbernecking by Elvis Presley (laughs) is the funniest scene because if you've never seen Fred Claus, basically the gist of it is Vince Vaughn is a degenerate. And so his brother is Santa Claus. And so he has to go up. He's asking his brother for money. And his brother's like, I'm not giving you money unless you come see me. He's like, fine. So he goes to the North Pole. He's visiting his brother. Well, all of the Santa Claus, Tooth Fairy, whatever, they have like this auditing person who comes and makes sure everything's going smoothly. And Santa Claus is being like audited, basically. And when the auditor and Santa walk in, Vince Vaughn and this elf are like on a table in the middle of the workshop, literally just, I mean, grooving to rubbernecking by Elvis Presley. And the toys are running off the assembly line. Chaos is wreaking havoc everywhere. And the elves are just getting it with Vince Vaughn. It is fantastic. Never seen the scene. Just put it in on YouTube. Vince Vaughn. Oh, I'm looking at it right now. Rubberneck, and it is fantastic. I mean, they it's are Fred Willard, who's the elf. Or, yep. Yeah, because like Kevin Spacey is the auditor, and then it's like isn't Giamatti actually? Well, Giamatti, Elizabeth Santa Banks. Claus. Yeah, there's Spacey. There's yeah. Hmm. It is hilarious, and it's it's like it's a good movie. It's probably not my favorite Christmas movie. It's a good movie. But that scene is epic in terms of <laughs> Christmas scenes. It is fantastic. And then there's, a, I think, right after that, Vince Vaughn and Paul Giamatti get in a fight in the snow, and Vince Vaughn like breaks his arm or something. It has to be Santa Claus for the day. It is hilarious. And it, it, it is like a train wreck. Like you talk about Jingle All the Way being like making no sense, being a bad movie, whatever. Like Fred Claus isn't a bad movie. But there, there are some scenes that make no sense. It's like we, we are really jumping through some hoops here. <laughs> Santa Claus is that way. Guy falls off the roof and dies. And what they would have us believe is that Tim Allen, Scott Calvin, right, steps in, becomes the Santa Claus. Well, Scott Calvin has a family. 
what happens to the other Santa Claus's family? Do they all die too? Is it like when I go, you go? Because they never, ever hash never out. Acknowledged it. Bernard doesn't care about Santa Claus. Oh yeah, they're He's they're dead. quick to get we're over. On. We are we are moving. Yeah. We're, we're on to Cincinnati, and they could not care <laughs> less about what has happened already. So. There's some no remorse. Santa Claus really wants you to just buy into the idea that Scott Calvin is Santa Claus. Don't ask questions. We are on to Cincinnati because even like number two, they just, they are just moving. We are going to the next thing. Don't ask too many questions. We're along for the ride. Um, I will pour some poor little cocoa out for Santa Claus. Just pour a little bit out for him. (laughs) I think one of my, one of my favorite things about Christmas vacation is the scene where uh, Chevy Chase's character for the, love of god i can't remember his name right now but when he clark griswold clark griswold yeah when he gets the the lights to all come on in the house or like on the house and like everything and the joy that he has almost makes you forget that chevy chase is one of the biggest assholes in hollywood Uh for just that split second you forget like oh he almost ran the director off of this movie yep it's it's fun it's fun to think about that the the other thing that's kind of underrated about the, the other part of it that i just kept i caught maybe a year or two ago but when he's about to light the lights up and he asks for drum rolls and the, the different sounds that come out of their mouths for a drum roll is absolutely phenomenal. One of them's like, like it is fantastic. I only, and that's just one of those little things that you catch uh, once you've seen it 75 times, but uh, underrated movie. Underrated. No, the one Christmas movie that I was glad got no votes was Polar Express. Oh, yeah. The worst movie. The worst. What an awful movie. You talk about like just, hey, don't ask too many questions. I watched that movie the other night because I hadn't seen it in years. And I was like, it can't be as bad as I remember it. Like, it can't be as bad as I think it is. 45 minutes in, I had no idea what was going on. None. (laughs) What is the point? There's a train. Computer generated Tom Hanks. Uh, That's all I got. What's the I, okay? The ghost on top of the train. Who is he supposed to be, and why? What is his role in the movie? Okay, I'm glad nobody can't, can't answer that. That's that's uh, that's not a thing. I, I had to explain to my wife that Polar Express is terrible because she loves it. I'm like, no, no, we're not doing it. I'm not watching <laughs> to watch this. I thought that was grounds for divorce in most states. <laughs> That's a that's a job interview filter out question. How do you feel about Polar Express? Okay, you could leave. This is done. Yeah, we don't. I, I, no further questions, Your Honor. Yep. Tis the season. I love it. Has anybody watched the new Home Alone? They 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 did another one. Why would you ever? But I mean, hear me out. I love me some Pete Holmes. He's in it. They got uh, Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper are both in it. As the uh, the new Wet Bandits and the uh, the kid from Jojo Rabbit. If you haven't seen Jojo Rabbit, I highly recommend that one. It's fantastic. But the kid that kind of stole the show was like the new Kevin McAllister. It's gotten terrible reviews, but I mean those those four on in and of itself have got me a little interested. So I may I may give it a round. When they announced they were making the movie, Carrington Harrison on Six Ten said something like, "He goes, you can't make a new Home Alone movie." based in like 2021 here's he's like here's how here's how quickly that movie would be over the parents leave they call the police they text the kid he looks at his phone the police shows up he goes outside the police get him it's over the movie is over because kids have cell phones and ipods and all these other things like the movie is over as soon as that kid wakes up and has internet access i have an argument to that Uh uh-oh on the rewatch of home alone kevin McAllister was just as excited to be away from his family as I think most kids would uh, upon uh, initial uh, review of the situation as a nine or 10 year old. Um, So I think that a smart Kevin McAllister in 2021 can fool all of these people with said tools that he is not in fact in danger. He is not home alone and that he's going to take the Christmas time to himself. So I think there's still plenty of room for uh, argument saying that when that was, still could be made. When was the last time you talked to a nine or 10 year old? I, I, I mean, I don't make it a habit uh, out of obvious for obvious reasons. I, I feel like there's plenty of nine and 10 year olds that would, uh, would seize the opportunity. Maybe to stay on their own. I, I, I don't know that there's a nine or 10 year old alive 
that would even try to thwart off uh, an invader. Sure. N- none. That's fair. Not a single one. That's fair. I mean, there's 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 nothing like that left in the 1990s. I'd believe it. I mean, <laughs> tell me, tell me a nine year old. Because <laughs> all of us growing up in that or, time were bulletproof. Or like in, in Alabama, like a kid. I don't mean to be like insensitive, but a kid like somebody broke into his house and he he took care of it. Like that problem was over with. Not in Chicago. It ain't not not some kid living in the suburbs of Illinois. It's not happening. No shot. No chance. I mean, those 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 robbers were not very intelligent, so it it was not a high bar to get over. I don't know. That movie doesn't work. You would have to like. He did have to do a movie. lot of planning though to like just set up the trap so that they didn't inconvenience him. I do wonder about how much time though, because when he started planning, it was dark, and what was it, nine o'clock when when he was fine and ready to roll? He even he made like himself dinner. Four hours. He had like four so hours. Mac and pops. cheese, and still had some. There's yeah. no way. I mean, four hours, he got his stuff together. He got everything done. He got everything set up. And then he still made some macaroni, macaroni and cheese. So you know how that movie goes in 2021? Kid sits on his phone for three and a half hours and then calls the police for the last 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's how that movie goes. That's fine. No shot. No shot that works. Is I don't know. I, I might watch <laughs> it if you insist that it's really not that bad. But there's no way a kid, no. But just, it's one, that's, that falls into the category of like, the first movie is great, and then 20 years later, they try and reboot it. There's no reason to watch it. It's like when they tried to remake The Sandlot. Like, you don't remake The Sandlot. You leave it alone. When did there they, were so they, many movies. they remade The Sandlot? They, oh, yeah. They did. There were Sandlot 2 and 3, and There's I think at they least did a reboot like 10 years ago. I yeah. saw Sandlot 2. Not great movie, but, no, just, like... They didn't, uh, yeah, not a great movie. I didn't, Sandlot's I didn't, one of my I favorite movies great. ever, so like I can't do it just out of the principle of I know it will ruin it. It'll just, frankly, just piss me off because if you can't, you just can't do it. You just can't. There are certain movies that you don't try and remake. You don't try and reinvent the wheel. Just leave it alone as it is. Yeah. Who's going to watch that new uh, Sean Payton movie? Kevin uh, James as Sean Payton. Lord. Boy, I got some big old Mighty Ducks vibes. And I was like, they're really going to do that out of Headgate? That's what we're doing <laughs> they, here? They Out of Bounty Gate. They, they did, a, I think it was a Mike Golick Jr. said they made Kids Bop Bounty Gate. I love that. That was a good tweet. Very good tweeting, Mike Golick. Kids Bop. That's good. But then you think wow. about Mighty Ducks, like he was he was DWI. And so is that much, much worse than... Yeah, but he was doing that in the, what, the late 80s, early 90s? It didn't matter then. You guys want to hear something that'll, like, I'm expecting one of you maybe to log off. (laughs) I've I've withstood world is not enough and lethal weapon in this Christmas movie argument, so there's not much going to make me leave at this point. I've never seen the Mighty Ducks. That's fine. I mean, mean, that's a choice. Seen it. Joel looks like he's ready to just leave. Joel's done with the podcast. He's out. He's like, well, Joel already had to put up with me saying the Mighty Ducks isn't actually all that good, too. So I will not stand for that. I think I, you and I had that. Yeah, we had that beef a long time ago. I'm not. I'm not allowing that disgrace to old Gordon Bombay. Mighty Ducks two is amazing though. Which is it only got worse after the first one. I won't hear otherwise. All right. That's you're talking about weird Christmas movies. I just want to let you in on a Christmas video game. My favorite Christmas video game, Yakuza. Hmm. Never played it's, it, but I'm very aware of it. Set and set at Christmas. Actually, several of the games are set at Christmas, inexplicably. <laughs> and uh, you know, it ends with uh, with a, a a bad rich guy giving away all his money. You know. Oh, spoiler alert! Come on now. Yeah, well. He doesn't do it. Uh, he doesn't do it. What's it called? Uh, uh, willingly, but uh, his money ends up on the streets. So it's uh, it's a lot like Scrooge that way. Grand Theft Auto needs to have some Christmas themed. Like I want to rob the Salvation Army. Is what I want to do next. <laughs> Why hasn't that been in GTA yet? Break in, steal somebody's Christmas presents, grab the stockings, and run. Feels like some DLC for sure. I want to drive a sled with some eight reindeer. Right? How cool would that be in GTA? Screw the helicopter. Sure there's a mod for it. Oh, there's a mod for it. 
Gotta be. All right, gents. We will be back. Um, thank you guys for listening, by the way. We'll be back in January. <laughs> Nobody's listening anymore. Got, they, uh, <laughs> they stopped listening a long damn time ago. <laughs> we might just send someone a free Royals Farm Report shirt if they're still listening. At the yeah. Point. Give them a code Important word here. Is that I won Family Feud. That's, that's the that's the thing we need to all remember as we end this episode message me on royals farm report m-i-z i might have a black and gold royals farm report shirt to to give away you didn't get so, to give those away they didn't cover that spread no they didn't come i know <laughs> that was gross it wasn't even close i saw somebody was like somebody said oh the raiders and mizzou are the same and somebody's like no 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 the Mizzou humbly took our ass whipping. The Raiders provoked this. <laughs> yeah, that's valid. All right. We will see you guys again in January. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Go Royals. Go Mizzou. Go Chiefs. Have a great rest of your night, day, night, year. Have a good one.